Hey, good evening, everyone. Uh, live from our studio here in North Minneapolis. Uh, it's another uh, great day in the hood. Uh, I'm Lacey Johnson. I'm the host of this podcast called Bright Lights, where we bring on successful people who have achieved and succeeded in various areas uh, of human endeavors uh, to talk about the importance of their families, to share ideas on a variety of subjects, uh, to discuss achievement in the areas of business uh, and uh, uh, business technology, finance, and all other fields. Uh, tonight, I'm pleased to have as our guest A. Marie Castillos. And A. Marie is, and I mentioned this to her, she is a sports comedian. And if you're like me, you're just a little curious about exactly what that is, and we'll bring her on and talk about that. Uh, she's also the producer of podcasts, uh, specifically one called Ask and Answered, that's hosted by two uh, former NFL players, former Viking players, and we're going to talk about that a little bit also. So more on that later. Uh, in the meanwhile, uh, for those of you who enjoy the podcast, you want to support what we're doing here with the podcast. And also we got some economic development uh, projects going uh, in the inner city. You want to support that. Uh, to get more information on that, you can go out to LaceyJohnson.com and uh, see what we're doing there. And if you feel like uh, supporting us, we really appreciate it. Well, since tonight involves sports and comedy to our favorite subject, let me talk about comedy first. Uh, you got to be able to laugh in life, people. Uh, that's what helps you deal with things. And so I'm from a family where we laugh a lot. In fact, uh, it's a little small thing. If I go out to a business establishment, especially a restaurant or something like that, and the staff or the waiter or waitress or whomever is just laughing and joking with all smiles, I almost always uh, come to the conclusion that they are from uh, a nice family background. They really enjoy their family. And uh, that's what good family background does is steal that joy and laughter in us. So that's one thing. But the second thing is the sports part of it. And uh, I decided that since we are talking sports, I will talk about uh, last night. NBA championship game. Oh, oh, I'm tearing stuff up here. NBA championship game. Uh, where the Milwaukee Bucks defeated the Phoenix Suns. And I don't even want to get into this game itself. What I want to talk about is uh, Giannis uh, Anatokomopo. I think I pronounced that right. No, I butchered it. But you know Giannis. And uh, I tend not to look at what everybody else is looking at. You know, I'm one of those people going to the museum and the tour guide is showing you all these pictures. And I'm looking up at the architecture and the ceilings and stuff like that. That's just me. And I say that to say this. Uh, of all the things that uh, followed after the game, the one thing that impressed me the most was Giannis' press conference, uh, where he made the point that he chose not to go to a super team. He chose to stay right there in little old Midwestern city, Milwaukee, and become a champion there. And he doesn't have two surefire Hall of Famers playing with him. He just took what he had, and, and, and he won a championship. And, and, and as someone who participated in sports, look, I like the feeling of being on a team that I felt nobody could beat us, uh, or as we had to have a very bad day, and they'd have to have a very good day. 
And even then, they probably couldn't beat us. But even more fun was that was when I had to go up against a team that everybody thought was unbeatable. And there's a lot more joy uh, beating an unbeatable team than being on an unbeatable team for me. And I, I, maybe it's a similar joy. So Giannis, the fact that he chose to stay uh, in Milwaukee and win a championship there, he didn't go to New York, he didn't go to L.A., he didn't go to Miami, he stayed right where he was. And that just really impressed me about that. It's kind of like uh, a lot of people like Michael Jordan and think he's the greatest, but that's a whole different stuff. You got to tell you about Bill Russell. Uh, but, you know, I the thing Michael Jordan did that I admired the most and it's not even close. What well, has nothing to do with his basketball skills? It had to do with when they, as many of you might recall, his father was murdered, robbed uh, as part of a robbery, and they came to Michael after they arrested the suspect and asked him, "Was he for the death penalty for these guys?" He said, "Nah, I'm not. It's not going to bring back my father." And as you can tell, I'm not a death penalty proponent. So I really admired that about him and anybody with my Christian background. I'm not for the death penalty. So that's my favorite Michael Jordan story. I talked about uh, everybody. And just another quick aside: uh, my all-time favorite NBA team was the 1967-68 Philadelphia 76ers with Will Chamberlain, uh, Lucius Jackson, Chet Walker, Wally Jones, Hal Greer, uh, Billy Cunningham, and Jeff Reardon as the top seven. I think they went 68 and 14. Uh, the Los Angeles Lakers in 1971-72, they went uh, 70, uh, 63 and 13 or something like that. 69 and 13, I'm sorry. Uh, but here's the thing, people, and I'm going to get on to our guest here shortly. Uh, Bill Russell was beating those team on a regular basis. Yeah, people don't understand. It just, it just upset me that Bill Russell didn't get the credit. Uh, they talk about Michael won six championships. Bill Russell won 11. He won 10 in a row. And he was beating the teams like that 76ers team that went 68 and 14 and that Lakers team that went 69 and 13. Uh, those are the team Bill Russell was beating. So I'll leave it there. Uh, that's one of my pet peeves there. But, the, but one last uh, uh, train of thought here. Look. The reason I like the fact that a Midwestern team won, because uh, I, I think part of the uh, issue of where this country is headed is that the people on the coast tend to have undue influence. And they tend to look at the people in the Midwest as country bumpkins, and, and they just don't respect that. And I'm just glad to see that a Midwestern, and as a boy from the South, uh, someone in the middle of the country has won the championship and they're representing us well. And just another quick aside, because I love the South, too. I love the Midwest and Central, Central uh, America. Uh, they did a survey. Forbes did a survey a few years back. And they found that nine, eight or nine of the ten best cities for blacks to live in was down south. And I want you uh, coast people to remember that. And you're talking about uh, helping us and what we need to do. And, but that did not surprise me. Anyway, last thing. I'm going to bring on our guest. I'm going to end it with a pet peeve because we're on sports. And which, since I talk about Giannis, uh, one of my pet peeves, and I love Steph Curry, I love uh, LeBron, I love them all. In fact, my favorite players are shooters, and Steph Curry is my favorite player because he's a shooter. But one of my pet peeves with them, athletes and entertainers and everyone, especially blacks, is that when they talk to our young people, they do not talk about the sacrifice they made. They do not talk about the discipline that they had had to have. They did not talk about the choices they had to make, the hard work and things like that. 
while they talk about to our young people is all the obstacles and how unfair life is and all that stuff. And I'm just sick and tired of it because I see the direct effect of it. So if you're an entertainer, if you're an athlete, please help me out, help our community out and talk about the hard work and sacrifice and choices that we make that leads to success in life that's independent of all this other stuff. So that's, I'm going to end it there. Uh, as part of my homework, I did listen to uh, our guests, one of the podcasts that our guests produced. And what I liked about it, it uh, had Michael Orr on it. And Michael, if many of you remember, uh, had a movie made about him called The Blind Side. I think it starred Sandra Bullock. But what I loved about it is that Michael Orr did exactly what I'm asking other athletes to do. He talked about the sacrifice that he made. He talked about how he had to give up things and stuff like that. He, in fact, he, one of the things I mentioned, he said even in, in the NFL, he went to bed every night at 9 o'clock. And I say to people out there, and that's why I don't get into all these other big issues, a lot of it just boils down to our habits, what time we go to bed, do we make up our beds when we get up in the mornings, uh, how hard we work, do we do our homework, uh, are we responsible for anyone besides ourselves, and do we live up to our responsibility? Those are the type of things that I like to talk to our young people about because uh, I really believe that you can be anything you want to be if you're willing to pay the price and make the sacrifice. So, And if anyone, anyone doesn't believe that, get in touch with me, and I'll tell you how you can do it. Okay, so tonight our guest a. Marie Castillos. Uh, good evening, A. Marie. It's nice having Hi. you on. Hi. Hello there. Bright Happy to be here. Yeah, I love your energy, by the way. Love Thank it. Thank you. Uh, like I said, I have to do a little homework, and I'm just used to doing homework. Uh, but tell me a little bit about yourself, A. Marie, where you're from, where you were born at, where you were raised at, and et cetera, and your family, and how that influenced you, and what impact that had on you. Um, okay, my name is Amory Castillo. I'm about to be 35 in September. I um, I was born in Grand Forks, North Dakota, because both my parents were in the Air Force, and my dad's side's from Minnesota. My mom's side's from Montana. Um, when uh, my parents got divorced, I moved down to Albuquerque because my mom's family actually moved down to Albuquerque because my grandfather was a football coach and a teacher. Long story short. So I grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I was like, I got to get out of here at 18. Didn't know what I really wanted to do, except I was recruited to play college basketball, but I didn't play. That's another story for another time. But um, I went to college in Los Angeles, didn't really like LA. And so then I moved to New York and I just had to unexpectedly move back to Albuquerque. Um, but funny, before we started this podcast, before the pandemic, I was actually going to move to the Midwest for my comedy and sports career. I was either going to move to Minneapolis or Indianapolis, but then all this happened with my family. So now I'm here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Okay. Here I am. Okay. Here so, I am. Okay. So uh, you were contemplating Indianapolis or Minneapolis. Yeah. I can understand why Minneapolis, and I'm a fan of Minneapolis, <laughs> but why Indianapolis? Okay, this is so funny. Okay, so I was like, okay, I'll, I want to be in the Midwest, like where it's a sports and comedy pub. Um, I'm glad I was trained as a New York comedian, but you can make more money outside of New York, which is very interesting. Um, so 
I liked Indianapolis because it was cheap to live there, but it was so close to everything around me for comedy wise. And it's a good sports town. So, and I have some like family there. So, and then or Minneapolis, but I don't know if I can handle those winters. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's not that bad. It, no, it you get no, you get acclimated, and I'm yeah. So it, it, no. it, it looks worse on TV when you're sitting down. Oh no, of course. no, I've been there. I've been I there. Tell, I tell people you'd be amazed how how warm zero degrees feel when you had a whole, whole week whole week of minus thirty. I mean, people jumping <laughs> at the and stuff like that. Uh, so I gotta ask this before we get into your producer type role. Mm-hmm. What the heck is a sports comedian? Tell me. And I've, I've read a little things about I, uh, what you've been doing out there in New York with the sports and everything. But tell me, what's a sports comedian? I've always wanted, I always just kind of started creating my own lane. It's kind of like, I'm, I don't think I, I think I may have invented it. I don't want to say that I did, but I'm kind of starting this new genre, even though it's already existed, is there were so many things I was doing. And I thought, I was like, okay, I can't be like a, I'm a stand-up comedian, sports personality, inspirational speaker, blah, 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 blah. Like, I had, like, 20 titles, and I was like, okay, what am I? Mm-hmm. And then one day I was like, I'm going to start calling myself a sports comedian. But, like, like you said, though, I believe you create your own reality and anything is possible. And I was like, I'm going to start this whole new thing, sports comedian, <laughs> because that's all I do. I, I work in sports media and um, I'm trying to focus on my niche because sports are my passion. But I love stand-up comedy. But mm-hmm. I feel like in stand-up comedy, when you find your voice and trying to find your lane in comedy, you got, like everyone has a different like journey in comedy. There's not one way to do comedy, you know. So um, I was like, this is just going to be a new style. So I primarily talk about sports in my stand-up act. Okay. If that makes more sense, more yeah, it does make sense uh, because. I like you, A. Marie. I'm going to whisper a suggestion to you so no one else hear me. I love it. I love it. Uh, you may want to get that sports comedian copyrighted a trademark or something like that. So That's a good idea. Else, if anybody else want to come along and use it, they'd have to pay you some type of royalties or uh, licensing fee or something like that. So, well. That. And because uh-huh. I'm a stand-up comedian and I wanted to get into sports, I wanted to get into the sports industry because of my stand-up skills, people were hiring me on podcasts, on radio, on everything. And I was like, this is really cool. So kind of okay. just created my own lane. All right. So now stepping back a little bit, you know, I'm all over the place sometimes. Uh, yeah. what what got you interested in sports? Explain that whole Man, uh, my mom, okay. my mom and my family, uh, just sports fanatics. So since I was a little girl, I've just been obsessed with sports, especially football. Um, and I was always uh, an athlete. I played multiple sports, but my focus was basketball. But since I was like five years old, I was glued to the TV and sports, like a sports center, everything. I just watching football all day, every day. All sport, well, all sports though, but yeah. So I, I just my family, mostly my mom though too. Okay, so we know you have some connection with the Minnesota Vikings here. A little bit. Just, just a little bit. 
Uh, but what are some of your who are some of your other favorite teams? Shall we ask? In in which sports? <laughs> okay, so that's that's funny you ask that because when it came to basketball, I don't know if you feel this way as someone who played sports. I think because I played basketball, I I was well, and I was a '90s kid, so I liked the Bulls because of Jordan. I liked the Mariners because I was obsessed with Ken Griffey Jr. and then he broke my heart when he went to the Reds. And then um and then I loved the Vikings. So it's like I would follow. I think growing up in New Mexico, I'd follow athletes. Mm-hmm. And kind of, besides Minnesota Vikings, I've always been 100% loyal, stuck by them, even through all the pain and suffering they've put me through. But, um, yeah, when it came to basketball, like I was a Bulls fan. Now I follow LeBron, you know. So, okay. yeah. But I was thinking, I was I was, I was, was talking to my boyfriend. I think I'm gonna, I might commit to all Minnesota teams. Ah, all Minnesota teams. Yeah, I think I might do that. I think I might just like, I was like, I need to commit to a baseball team and a basketball team because I'm all over the place with players I like. You may want to choose a therapist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. Deal with close. all the pain and suffering. <laughs> that you're in for but once again uh it just make it that more sweeter when we win a world series and eventually it's sooner or later we're gonna win a super bowl and uh i swear to god nba timeline soon uh but that's that's very honorable of you it's very honorable of you and i really appreciate that now okay so that explains your background interest in sports Let's try to bring these things together uh, bit by bit here, as we say. Uh, so, uh, how did you get interested in comedy and end up being a comedian? Well, no, I don't like compound questions. Uh, first question: How do you get interested in comedy? Well, how? Okay, let's just say how I fell into stand-up comedy because I wasn't planning on doing it when I moved to New York. I was actually gonna—I was attempting to model, actually. Um, maybe do some acting and, or just, I always wanted to have my own business too. So I don't know. I just kind of moved to New York without a plan. I just, I just trusted God in my life and ever the process. I was like, I know I'm supposed to be in New York. I don't know it for yet, but let's go. Um, and I'm like you, I just figure it out and I'm a hard worker. So whatever jobs I have to work, whatever. Anyways, um, in New York city for those, or if you don't know this, they have these um, young comics called Barkers. They're comedians who stand outside clubs and they're like free comedy show or want to come to our comedy show. They're like, you know, out there trying to get people in. And I don't know if you ever heard of the comedian Andrew Schultz, but he barked me into a comedy show. He's famous now. He's got a special on Netflix, all this stuff. And I saw an underground comedy show on Bleecker in, in the village in Manhattan. And I was like, this is freaking amazing. And I just wanted to be involved. I didn't yeah. I didn't think I wanted to do stand up, but I wanted to be a part of it. Okay. And so yeah. Well, I, I was making a note here. I'm just being honest. Uh did you say you were one of those barkers who stood outside the comedy? No, no, no. Oh, you I never was, did. Okay. 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 I was a bark I was barked okay. in. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh I just go to New York a lot, two or three times a year. So I'm a big fan of New York and I've been by seeing Carolinas and and what's the comedian name? Got a club there. I think Dangerfield. Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah, that's closed. closed. Yeah, yeah Dangerfield's yeah. closed. Caroline's, yeah, is really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, awesome. 
the next you keep me abreast of your schedule and next time we're going to be in New York. Uh, I, yeah. I want to come see you in, in New York. I haven't been there since the pandemic, and I hope yeah. they haven't ruined that city too much. Uh, but that's great to, to know. So you became a comedian. And how, I mean, were you the type that you just took notes and until you figured you no. had a routine going? And, no. Uh, how, 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 tell us the details and the logistics, how someone sitting down say, I want to be a comedian. And you got to first believe you can do it. You got to have some courage, whatever you do in life and take a chance. Uh, what exactly, how did, exactly did you go about uh, putting your material together? Well, so at first uh, I wasn't, I, see most comedians and people are, I took the non-traditional route of becoming a comedian. I became a producer first. So I was producing shows, which means like putting shows together, filling rooms, putting lineups together. So I was doing that for a while. And then this, then, but everyone thought I was a comic because my personality, I'm very dry, very loud. I'm a big personality, a lot of energy. And um, this comedian booked me on a show. I was like, I'm not a comic. He's like, Oh, you need to be doing comedy. You're in the scene. Everyone knows you just do it, you know? So and then I did it and then I got addicted, but I've never been a writer until this past year. I've always been on my, it's a lot of it's improv. I'm not going to lie. And I host a lot of comedy shows. I'm the MC. So a lot of my material is developed and my jokes are developed from when I host. But okay. yeah. So are uh, most of your jokes about sports or deal with sports? Now they are. Now they are. Now they are. Oh, they were uh, before. Okay. And and I think I, like, go yeah. ahead. I'm sorry. I, it was more like my day-to-day -day life, whatever I was going through throughout my 20s. But then I found my way in my niche. And now I focus primarily on sports. Okay. And I read somewhere that there was actually a set of sports comedian who actually put on a show at some club. I think it was in New York. Am I misremembering anything Me? there? Yeah, well, you and a, 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 a group of other comedians were talking yeah. about sports comedy. And yeah. there was actually a show somewhere. Tell us a little bit about that. So I helped produce this with, well, there's two shows. I don't know which one you're talking about, but uh, NPR contacted me and was like, do you want to do a sports show that combine like combines stand-up comedy? I was like, yeah, that's kind of my thing. So I had, but it was NPR. So you can imagine okay. we, we couldn't be, we had to be very squeaky clean. And, uh, but it's a lot of fun. So comics, uh, you gotta, you gotta, you guys gotta look at this link. It was actually a really good uh, segment and story. So a bunch of comics I know that came up and they did their best sports jokes. It was really good. And um, and then I did a sports roast. This is something I've been doing for years. And I just brought it back and did it last week in Albuquerque. Um, I do sports roasts. I do uh, mostly NBA, NFL, and I did college basketball one time. But it's basically comedians roasting each other's sports teams. Ah, okay, okay, okay. Well, uh, I think before I go any further, we're going to... Uh, obtain some street cred here for you. Oh, yeah. Me. And the way we're going to do that is you're going to tell us a Viking joke or a sports joke, and we're going to go from there, and we're going to have a great time after that. So let's get that out of the way so people know that you are who you are, and you're real good at what you do, because we don't have people on our show who's not good at what they do. So let's give you right. Some, right. some cred here going, Marie. Okay, so when I was a little girl, my mom used to, like, 
tell me that I'm never going to Disney World. Like I didn't realize how much my mom hated Disney World every Sunday. We're never going to Disney World. We're never going. You're never going to Disney. And then I realized she made me a Minnesota Viking fan and I'm never going to Disney World. Oh, okay. Well, you know why? What? Do you get it? Because we're never going to the Super Bowl. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. But you're going to I'm sorry. We're winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, but you're going to become a fan anyway, though. Okay. Now, <laughs> so sports, comedy, somehow you decided sometime in your life, I think, to merge the two things together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't even like this word because it's one of those liberal arts words they teach you in college, but I got to ask it. I can't think of another word to use. But do you remember a moment of, epiphany when you said, hey, I'm going to bring these two things together and I'm going to enjoy myself and have a great life from here on in. When when did that moment happen? Well, and I got to say that I feel like once you passion fuels everything, right? So, and Mm -hmm. I knew that I knew this will work. I knew this would work out eventually because it's what I love and what makes me happy and brings me joy and yada, yada, yada. I'll never forget I was um, in a green room, which in comedy, that's where comics hang out. And I was just talking about sports and I'm very, and I'm very sarcastic dry person. And these comics were like, Amory, you know, so much about sports. You should use this in your act. And like, what? And I don't know why I was like, what? They're like, yeah. Why don't, and also, why don't you, audit? you know, they were like, why don't you do media and stuff? You're just so knowledgeable and so funny. And I was like, mm-hmm. I can do that. Like I thought I needed a journalism degree or whatever. So, and especially the internet and social media has changed all of our lives. So you can do it. Anyone can have a podcast, a show or like whatever. So I was like, all right. And that's just like when it clicked, it just, I was like, I'm going to do this. And it started with the sports roast. And now I'm primarily writing sports jokes and producing podcasts and making content. And I have a comedy album coming out this year. That's all sports material. Okay. Well, when you become a big star, don't forget the little people you met on the, your way up. And I expect Never. you to come back on my podcast. Uh, I promise you. <laughs> when my when my sports comedy album, it's called mm-hmm. Name Three Players, sells a million copies next year, I'm coming back on. And you get a free copy signed. All right. I'm going to hold you up on that one, too. Uh, did you say Name Three Players? Yeah, that's the title of my album. Okay, okay, we are we're not gonna go there yet. Uh well no, we are there. Give me a yeah. quick synopsis of how you came up with this title. Um, I as a as a uh, female uh, sports fan in my album basically I'm making fun of both sexes and as sports fans, I'm making fun of female sports fans and male sports fans. Because whenever I'm at a bar, whenever I'm at an event, I'm on the radio, I'm getting hired to come on and talk about football. And a man always asked me to name three players. I don't know what it is, but it's a question guys ask me all the time. They're like, can you name three players? Like, I'm like, I can name all 53 on the Vikings, actually. But, you know, what position do you want to start at? But, no, but I just think it's just so fun. It's always three players, always, no matter what. I like that. So you, you, you mentioned social media. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know whether I like this either, though, but the first thing people do is go out on, on the Internet and see what they can look up on you and stuff like that. And even employers doing mm-hmm. it nowadays. And by the way, you young people out there, watch what you post on social media. I mean, yeah. some of the stuff I see out there and I'm like, hope this person is never thinking about changing jobs. Uh, but uh, you mentioned social media. I do know that you are an auntie. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. How many nieces and nephews do you have? I have uh, four. Okay. Well, then the $64,000 question, A. Marie, is are you ever be- planning on becoming a mom? No. I, that's one of my jokes, too. I always joke no. that I'm going to be a great second wife one day. Or a cool <laughs> stepmom. Like I'm, like, I'm not the first wife. I'm not the person you have kids with. Like, I'm the cool stepmom. Ah, okay. All right, I got you there. And then I should, uh, breed. I should breed. People call me a breeder because I'm six foot. I'm athletic. I should give us some D1. Yeah, donate. Some, yeah, donate some <laughs> eggs somewhere. <laughs> That's my backup plan. I'll just start producing <laughs> athletes. <laughs> the other thing I saw uh, on social media is you posing as a golfer. Yes. And. Uh, and I say posing as a golfer because, you know, we, we, we've become friends in this shorter time. Uh, are you a good golfer, hey Marie? Is anyone a good golfer? Nah. Nah. Even the great Not when you want to be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> I've always loved and appreciated golf. It wasn't a part of my lifestyle living in New York City. But whenever I'd come home, I'd play. And... Um, and I've always just, I to be honest, I always tell younger kids to learn golf. It's a businessman's game. A lot of deals are done on the golf course. It's a beautiful game too. Um, mm-hmm. But now that I'm back in New Mexico, it's more obtainable and I go golfing all the time. Okay. So probably the most interesting thing that I saw that piqued my interest was you sponsored a women and whiskey night. Oh, somewhere. Yeah. Tell me about this women in his uh, whiskey night. Uh, what's the idea behind it? Why you did it? How did it turn out? So my biggest thing I think behind everything I do, sports comedy wise, is I love people, and I, especially as a woman, I think it's important. Um, I'm just a connector, and I love people, and I love helping people and supporting people, and I think women need to support each other more. And when I moved back here. I was like, there's not like a social scene here in Albuquerque for women my age in their 30s who are Mm -hmm. business owners and entrepreneurs. And so many of my friends here are like boss. I don't know if I can say the B word on here, but they're they're boss bees, you know, Mm -hmm. and none of them know each other. And I was like, okay, I just moved back to Albuquerque in my 30s. I've been gone for 18 years. I'm going to start these social events to get people to get it's post pandemic and just get these business owners and women like me together in the same room. And I've been putting on events every week, every Wednesday. And it's ranged from comedy shows to yoga classes, to whiskey tastings, to whatever. And it's basically just to celebrate women, to get a bunch of women in one room. Oh, okay. So, so so it's somewhat serendipitous. And look that up folks. Uh, That we're talking whiskey uh, because just yesterday, I learned a lot about bourbon this week, and Ooh. bourbon is yeah, no, bourbon is a form of whiskey, but whiskey yeah. is not a form of bourbon. Uh, and people should go out and look up to that. But bourbon uh, 
it's got to be at least 51% corn mash. Uh, it has to be uh, distilled in new white oak barrels. There's a bourbon uh, group out there that's give certified whether it's bourbon or not. I, I didn't know all that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's for our audience out there. Uh, and uh, bourbon doesn't necessarily have to be from Kentucky, but it takes its name from Bourbon County in Kentucky. So just FYI for folks out there like that. Now, oh, one other minor thing. You know, there's two spellings to whiskey, uh, one with an E and one without an E. Yep. And and they tell me that the American form should have an E in it, should have an E in it. Just FYI on that one. But I, go ahead. I called it whis Women and Whiskey because, um, again, with my brand and who I am as a comedian, I'm trying to uh, – uh, Whiskey is a masculine, known as like a masculine thing, but it's becoming more normal for women to drink whiskey. So, mm -hmm. trying to okay. yeah. I'd like to maybe meet a few women whiskey drinkers, and I got one woman to drink whiskey and drive pickup trucks and things like that, you know. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I also read about some of your appearances with other celebrities. And I'm assuming you mentioned that earlier too, you've done some intros and things like that. Uh, I understand uh, you ended up, you were a guest on the Howard Stern show. Is that uh, correct? So, okay. uh -huh. Close, close, close. Uh -huh. um, so for Howard Stern fans, Howard Stern briefly had an on-demand show, on-demand ch channel called uh, Howard TV. And mm -hmm. so uh, they'd be a lot of series with all their characters, gang, rap, whatever, whack pack. And so when I started getting into comedy, I was brand new. I had like five minutes. And um, Ronnie, Howard's limo driver, and his Scott engineer would take comics on the road as a TV show and have mm -hmm. them tour together. And I was one of their openers. Okay, you say Ronnie Howard? Ronnie, the limo driver. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Sorry. Okay, yeah. And so, well, let's back up a second also. How did you become a producer? And is that a producer of podcasts or other media? Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, how you got into the whole production field and what all you produce there. I think I'm just like a producer of life. <laughs> no, but I, uh, uh, okay. So comedy producer means you produce actual live shows, which means you put on a show in a venue or at a club, you mm -hmm. do the whole thing. Mm -hmm. The club has nothing to do with it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I did that for years. And then I, um, once social media and all this, started blowing up in podcasts. I learned how to use equipment and I started producing podcasts. I like producing. I like being hands-on. I like being in control. And now I'm actually also, this is exciting news. I think it's heard here first. I don't think I've even announced it on Facebook, um, but I was just hired by the sports station here that I'll be per be producing, but also be on air at the sports animal here in Albuquerque. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Super excited. All right. And congratulations to Bright Lights and me for breaking a news story here for the Ooh, first time. Breaking a news story. I like that. So, and we're moving around a little bit. Sorry. Who, who are some of your favorite comedians? 
Uh, okay, well, Andrew Schultz, if you guys don't know him, look him up now. But uh, he's mm-hmm. he's known, but he's not like whatever. Um, Dave Chappelle, I know this is probably a cliche answer, but mm-hmm. I freaking love Dave Chappelle so much. Um, he's always been one of my favorites. Um, Paul Mooney, who I got to work with, and he just passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, he worked a lot with Dave as well. Uh, I got to work with him at Caroline's, and I was just like, oh, such an honor, such a good guy. I love Bill Burr. It's hard because I love so many. I, I'm not I limited to one style. I know. I, I, I it's know. hard. It's hard for me. And then I like Ellen. And then I like, I, I'm all over the place. It depends. It's just okay. Different. So for us old schoolers here, mm. we are always surprised when Richard Pryor is not included in any of those lists because, you know, we think Richard Pryor is the best ever. And so everybody Paul else was up there with Richard. You know, they work together. They work together, yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. And so I, I was just curious about that. I, I love Richard Pryor too, but I'm saying my influences. I would, I would say, is the, my biggest influence would probably be Dave Chappelle. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about what you're currently doing. Uh, you're still producing. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you get started on Ask and Answered, uh, the podcast by the two? Uh, former Vikings. Yeah. So uh, Aaron Henderson and Jamarcus Sanford, they're amazing. Uh, Okay. So basically um, I became known online as like a Viking personality and just a Viking fan. Like I have a big Viking following. Mm -hmm. And so all these different little media groups started reaching out to me. They're like, Amory, do you want to host this podcast? Amory, do you want to come on this Vikings podcast? And then one day, um, I got approached by this network and they're like, do you want to host a podcast with Aaron Henderson? I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, I do. Uh-huh. And, then, and then Aaron and I just became fast friends and family. And um, we ended up not working with that network, but he was like, he wanted to have this podcast with Jamarcus Sanford, his former, his former teammate. And I loved the concept of the podcast. And I was like, hell yeah, let's do this. So um, we're slowly getting back into it post pandemic and everything, but like, I'm very excited. So, and like you said, you listen to one with Michael Orr, but we've had a lot of great guests on. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go back and listen to uh, some more. And I did learn a little bit about Aaron Henderson and the fact that, and I love this uh, after his football career, he was actually an eighth grade substitute teacher. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's stuff about the guy. Mm-hmm. I love that we need more black men uh, and, and substitute. Now, look, as far as I'm concerned, it's good for everyone to stay in their lanes. And when I say that, is that, and I'm just be honest with people, my audience here, I don't like politics on ESPN. I don't oh. like I, when I when Everything I watch it. Politicized. Yeah, I don't want. I don't want to hear about no association. I'm. I'm. I'm I want to watch ESPN for sports, and I don't want to hear no commentary. God In fact, bless you, Lacey. God yeah, bless you. Yeah, me and my wife put them on boycotting a lot of the football because we we just want to you know you just want to get away from a lot of the stuff in the world when you watch sports. The same thing with entertainment, but I have to ask. Uh, is do you see a role for what you're doing 
uh, in company, comedy and uh, podcast production related to some of the more bigger issues that we're dealing with nowadays, whether it's the pandemic, whether it's social justice, whether it's whatever. Uh, do you see a fit in there? And like I say, it's okay if you don't, because I don't go to, I don't turn on entertainment to, I turn on entertainment for escape and sports for escape. I don't. I think I think that um, also I think I got into sports and comedy not to be an echo, but I, I agree with you hundred percent. Sports is becoming politicized. Everything is, and it's unfortunate because, like you said, sports are my escape. And so when I go on ESPN, and I'm that's what inspired me to do sports comedy too. Sports Center used to be so much fun. I'd watch it three times in a mm -hmm. row, and mm -hmm. now it's like. Okay. Oh my God. Okay, we get it. Women are treated badly. Everyone's racist. Sports mm -hmm. suck. And what's crazy is sports made me who the person I am today. And sports are an incredible thing. And so I'm the same way. Um, but, but with my podcast asked and answered, by the way, that's why I'm trying to create this content to answer your question. Is I'm not a political person or anything, and I don't. I think we can use our platform as public figures for younger generations. But man, these younger generations, they don't even want to listen to like ask and answer. They want to watch YouTube of people playing video games. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they don't want to work and they're lazy. Ugh. <laughs> oh my God. Let me, let me, well, tell, let me let tell you a uh, side uh, story. I'm not, I haven't answered your question. Side story, you'll love okay. this, Stacey. Okay. I went and worked out. I'm back in my hometown. I was a star basketball player in high school. I, my coach is a head coach somewhere at a high school. I went and worked out with the girls. So soft. So soft that my coach used to make me cry, throw up. You can't even do that anymore. They, or there you, it's child abuse. It's crazy, Lacey. Yeah, I, know. I, I was giving my coach all the time. I was like, you are so soft. I was like, I was crying every day of practice in high school. Ooh. I know exactly what you mean there. And I talked about uh, how uh, we listen to, we, we keep talking to our kids about how unfair the world is. And, and I've even had, and I'm disappointed in our adults more than the kids. I even had an adult suggest to me, anyone who goes out for the team should make the team. Oh. Or, I know, I know. Or this thing where everybody get a prize. And it, it just, it just, it's just. Participation trophies? Yeah, no, it's thank just, you. It's just, it's just too sappy for me also. And when do we teach, we, we teach our kids that, you know, uh, life should be easy for you. And if life isn't easy for you, there's something wrong with the world. And we're going to change the world and everybody around you. And, you know, that's just foreign to me. And, and to be honest, I'm an old school guy, like the young guys called me. And I never thought I'd see the day where you didn't have to compete and earn. And, well, let's go this way. And I'm, once again, I'm, I'm uh, dating myself. Uh, when I... <laughs> <laughs> when I grew up, uh, there was a saying that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words would never hurt me. And every time I look up, somebody got to apologize to somebody because they used the wrong word. In fact, it's affecting your field. Uh, this all this political correctness. Everyone's you, canceled. You're canceled. You can't even go on some of the college campuses unless you say everything they want you to say and you agree 100% lockstep with what they think. If you say anything that doesn't agree with their whole mamby-pamby view of the world and everybody's a victim, uh, so many you people. Have a, yeah, you have a hard time. I don't, 
And, you know, one of the reasons I'm out in public, because really I'm a private kind of person I prefer to be, is that I'm just concerned about where we're headed with all this stuff. And I know what a challenge it is to uh, kind of turn it around because, and I'm, I'm consistent with this, I think there's an indoctrination process going on. I think it starts with our educational system. I think it's media. I think it's pop culture. And when I listen to our young people, even my own children, I mean, I'm like, where are y'all getting this stuff from? And 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 especially my youngest one, he's been so filled up. And I don't know, I didn't pay enough attention, I guess, as his dad, but I thought I was involved in this life. But they don't have any faith in the system. Like, we, we're going to tune it out. I don't want to work. I don't want to do it. I mean, and there's a lot of kids like this. Now, uh, you and the audience should know that I'm committed to working with our young people. I'm committed to letting them know and I, that I believe in them and they can be anything they want to be and showing them how to do it. And I'm trying to at least do my part uh, to create a positive outlook uh, and spirit in our children. I said it on a couple of broadcasts, you know, and especially our black children and people in poor community, communities of color, all they hear all day is how unfair the world is, how unfair this country is, how racist it is, how, how all these obstacles. And you're a poor kid, you're sitting there and you're trying to, you see all these people on TV and elsewhere, they seem successful and happy, they drive a beautiful car, all this money. And you're looking at your life and what these people are telling you, I mean, it would almost make me want to just not even get out of bed every morning. That is useless and helpless no matter what I do because I'm black or because I'm poor, because I'm whatever. Uh, I might as well not try. And then the next step to that, and I, I just believe this, is that if I don't feel good by myself, I'm looking around at all these other people around me, and they're in the same position that I'm in, and people are telling me that, uh, you know, I, I don't have no hope. They don't have any hope. So we're all here hopeless people in a situation we'd never get out because of how unfair the world is. My life isn't worth much and yours isn't worth much either. And all this craziness and dysfunctionality that we've seen out there and what upsets me, and I'm saying this because I'm tired of seeing this stuff, what upsets me even more that our adults have bought into this. Our adults are saying this to our children. They are saying to our children what my mom them said to me, look, I don't want to hear that. You better get your butt out of the bed. You better go to school. You better work your butt off. You better do your chores. And those, you better take care of yourself. My mom, uh, I like throwing this in because my mom, I just love my mom. And she's the smartest person I ever knew. And this might throw some people off, but she had a saying, uh, think about that day. She said, you got a root pig or die poor. poor. And that means you got to get out there and get it for yourself. Look that up. Folks. You, you can Google that too. And there was nobody here to help you. And I don't want to hear no excuses. And, and in fact, we had a rule. And they let you know as soon as you could understand language. Look, we're gonna support you uh, through high school. Once you get out of out of high out of high school, you're on your own. You gotta support yourself, and you gotta support your family. You gotta support yeah. your kids. Ain't none of this stuff supporting uh, government taking care of your kids. I mean, what? It would never cross my mind to have the mother of my children sit and wait on a check from somebody else to take care of my own children. But this has become part of a lot of the communities and culture that we're in. And the sad part about it, as I see it, uh, the current 
liberals, which is who they really, really got off the rail and in the ditch. Uh, they're preaching things like you don't have to work at all. Uh, the government will take care of you. And if you aren't successful in life, it's not your own fault. It's somebody else's fault. And I tell everybody everything this every week is that I have never, ever in my life uh, thought I couldn't be whatever I wanted to be. And that's the message I want to tell our young people. And I want to tell everybody. I don't hear all these excuses and things you're making about not succeeding and things like that. So anyway, so that's my soap uh, 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 box uh, speech there. Uh, once again, you were uh, born in North Dakota. Right. Grew up in Albuquerque. Mm -hmm. And just with courage and a spirit of adventure or whatever, you decided to, I'm going to move to the big city in New York, and I'm going to make a go at it, and I'm going to get, get that done. So what are some of the characteristics that help you have the courage to do that, uh, that help you overcome obstacles and to get where you want to go and this attitude in you? Uh, tell me about the things inside of you that help you achieve in a world that's there for us to achieve, but a lot of people think it's not. Um, I think self-awareness, that's a big thing. I, and to my faith, um, and I've always, and I know it sounds silly, but my mom always, like I'm the biggest love bug in the world. My mom preached just, you know, love and faith, right? Mm -hmm. um, but my mom taught me a lot. And I was, and I think being raised in a military household too helped a lot, uh, a lot of I'm, I'm like a type A free spirit. So but I'm, I'm the same way as you. I was raised that like you have to hold yourself accountable. Everything is earned, not given. And I think the biggest thing is like, I've, I've always been fearless. Like I, I, I think it's my faith though. I think it's how deep my, my faith is. Mm -hmm. I just always know. I always believe that things are going to work out no matter what. And I trust right. it. Well, uh, and funny you should mention faith, and I only half jokingly say to people, uh, being born and raised a Southern Baptist, we believe there's nothing you can do on this earth to us that God can't undo. Right. And so once, once you have that kind of attitude, and nothing's going to come my way I can't deal with, and that's the type of attitude. And I know nowadays there's a lot of people preaching the anti-religion and anti-faith and all the trouble religions have caused, but, you know, I tell people, it gave me a lighthouse. It taught me a set of ethics and morals and values uh, that as I look back on it, it really came, it really set the foundation for everything else that I wanted to do. And it gave me a perspective and attitude and a book on how to react to people, places, and things yeah. that yeah. don't go your way. So uh, I appreciate that. Now you had, I saw somewhere, where you were involved with something called Stand Up Bro. Is that your, uh, do you stand have up. a Stand Up Bro? Uh, tell me about, is that, am I making sense there? A. What do you Marie? mean Stand Up Bro? I saw somewhere where there was an organization called Stand Up Bro, or that was your, stand uh, up. that might have been a, uh, so evidently, okay, well, good. That, that's not right. <laughs> I want to know what it is. I want to know too, because I'm like, that's interesting. I thought it was another uh, uh, interesting uh, uh, fact about you. Uh, and I told you about the positive messages. Now, you mentioned at one time uh, you knew all 53 Vikings. How, 
how if I was to ask now about the last roster that they had, uh, what, this year what, right how, now? no, I don't want you to name off it the three of them, but how many do you think can you name off 53 of them? Or how many do you think you can? I name mean, we're them? going into training camp next week, so we're uh, in uh, it, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna have a final roster here coming up here. I'm very excited. Uh, I can name majority of the players, yes. Okay, okay. And do you have a second favorite NFL team? Absolutely or? not. Absolutely not? Oh, it's, 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 it's the one and only. Okay. Uh, I, I, I live for the Vikings. Like, I live I live for the Vikings. That's why I've made it a huge part of my brand and what I do. Okay. Is there anything, because if you like a lot of the ladies that I know, uh, they can be football coaches and baseball coaches and soccer coaches. And I know some who still don't understand why running backs keep running up into this pile <laughs> when, when there's no hole there. And I try to tell them, explain, well, you know what? The players call and it tells you what holes you got to go to and you got to depend on your teammates that the hole is there. And those are the type of things that if you start, if you take off second guessing whether the hole is going to be there or not, and already thinking I'm going to change direction, you're in trouble. But anyway, uh, so what would be some of the things that you would do? Let's, 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 let's instead of, uh, go ahead. Yeah, for the Vikings, to get, what would you do to get us to the Super Bowl? Yes, that's, that's your 64,000. Um, okay, so uh, stop hiring family members. As coaches, uh, no. Um, what I would do? Oof, that is a very good question. I don't say this often, mm-hmm. but the last two years, besides COVID and injuries, we are actually doing what we should be doing all along. Okay, and I know mm-hmm. a lot of people don't like Kirk Cousins, but hear me out. Okay, um, yeah, because I was gonna go there with you. Good. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh, oh, it's so funny. I have to remind. See, I, I this is another thing too, is I'm my optimism is why I am who I am, and people think as a comedian you're negative or dark. I'm like, why? I've always been. I'm like you. Every day is a good day, no matter what. Um, but I'm the optimistic Viking fan because <laughs> we're always a good team. We're always just miss. There's always just something missing. We're always the nine and seven team. Like it's just mm-hmm. consistently mediocre and we'll mm-hmm. have like the best rosters and just like something will happen. A star player gets injured. A coach leaves the team. There's just always like a missing piece um, or the damn freaking field goal kickers. Okay. I mean, our kickers, that's, that's, mm-hmm. the that's, been, that's been the biggest curse too. So one, I'd find the best kicker. That's one thing. I'd find a good kicker we could have for a very long time, okay? Like, what's that guy's name for the Ravens? That guy. Something like that, okay? Let's I break that curse. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Two, we're finally having a quarterback that's consistently with us more than just one year, or we're not <laughs> picking up an old man, an old veteran. We mm-hmm. are developing a quarterback within a system. Like, we don't commit to quarterbacks. That's always been our problem, too. We've had, mm-hmm. like, 30 mm-hmm. quarterbacks mm-hmm. in 30 mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. If you've noticed, teams that win the Super Bowl, they usually have a quarterback that developed under another quarterback that's whatever. So that's mm-hmm. the number one thing we're doing right now is we, we drafted a quarterback this year to be behind Kirk Cousins, and I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. He's not old. He's not damaged. He's brand-new goods. 
We're going to develop him under Kirk, and then Kirk will be done in like two, two or three years. And it's going to be great. Sorry, I'm yeah. very excited about that. <laughs> well, a couple of things. You remind me of a, my other pet peeve because the way the system generally works, you draft someone great, you develop them, and they become great, and they become free agents, and they leave you. Yeah. Uh, and and yeah, I got to get on my soapbox just a little bit. I don't like this whole NFL parody stuff. I liked it when the teams that drafted the best, developed players the best, had the best coaches, made the best decisions, kicked everybody else's butt. But, you know, this whole – if we don't have – there's this group of people in the world who believe that if you don't have equal results, something must be unfair. Right. And I'm just a believer in comp competition. So even with the great quarterback, I hope he can stay with the Vikings because they've drafted a lot of great people and they can't hold on to him. In fact, to be honest with you, I'm less, much less of a sports fan after free agency because I liked it when he, when everybody was like Giannis. I'm going to stay with the team that I got that drafted me in. Right. Like that. I don't like all this moving around. But uh, let's get back to Kurt Cousins. Kirk Cousins, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Kirk Cousins. I would say up front, what bothers me the most about the, the guy when I'm watching him, and maybe this is just my shortcomings, because, you know, whenever you – I know a lot of people in coaching and stuff, so they, they're not open to public criticism that much. But Kirk Cousins, he just takes way too many sacks. He doesn't get rid of the ball. I, 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 mean, like, I, I just get frustrated with him taking sacks. And that's, yeah, that's my thing. Should, he should get rid of the ball, but then also we are, we now have developed enough. We're actually drafted and have been improving our offensive line, which will be good because we're a run heavy team. Our offense, and we have so many weapons on on our offense that. And Kirk obviously isn't like a mobile quarterback, but he's a good quarterback. He's not bad. But I agreed. Agreed. Get yeah. rid of the damn ball. Yeah, I mean, you have two and, top receivers and one of the best running backs in the league too. There should be some kind of motion where we, it's working. So yeah, and eighty-five million dollars is a lot of money for you to be taking all them sacks. Ooh, that's the biggest yeah, yeah, yeah. debate. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and a championship quarterback to me has to come through in the clutch, and he has had some clutch plays and stuff like that. What's yeah. your rivalry? Yeah, and, and things like that. But the Vikings got rid of some top, let some top talent go. Uh, the wide receiver they let go to Baltimore, uh, Buffalo. What's his name? I'm, I'm Stephon Diggs. Yeah, Stephon Diggs. I he don't loves Stephon, but he wasn't happy with us. So, like, I'm happy for him. Well, yeah, I look at it a little differently. Uh, we didn't make him happy, and when, when we when he's that important and probably had one of the greatest catches in Vikings history. Uh, we might want to treat him differently and listen to him a little bit more. And he saw what he could do when he went off to Buffalo and led the league in receptions and yardage and everything else. And that was just a bad decision uh, on their part. I don't know what went into it. So, so that's – oh, and last year, one, one other Viking question, since you're an expert and you're, you're a sports co comedian, uh, what happened to that defense? I mean, Vikings used to be known for a tough defensive line and a tough defense and everything. What happened in your opinion? Um, we had um, – so we got rid of our corner, our veteran quarter, cornerbacks, but we did sign a veteran, uh, uh, Pat Peterson, um, this year, which I, he's not in his prime, but that will help our secondary situation. Our secondary was so young, all rookies, 
And then poor Harrison Smith, our safety, had to babysit everyone. Um, God, I love him. He's my favorite player on the Vikings. Anthony Harris was already checked out, headed to the Eagles, so he just didn't like, – I don't know where Anthony Harris was, but we, we lost all of our starters in our line and our linebackers. I mean, we didn't have Anthony Barr. We didn't have Neil Hunter. Eric Kendricks got hurt towards the end of the year. Uh, Young Gokwe, we lost a draft pick and he left after five games. And now we have Michael Paul Pierce. So we were missing five starting defenders. So we'll, we're back now. We'll be, we'll be a okay, but we were 29th ranked defense last year. So that's why we didn't make it to the postseason. But it was 2020 anyways. And, yeah. man, no fans in the stadium. I'm not, I don't care what anyone says. That sucks. Oh, yeah. It, it does suck. Really, which is a whole other topic. Our offense was top tier, <laughs> but, like, our defense, shit, 29th. Oof. Wait, okay. Uh, don't worry. We're all healthy now. They're all healthy. Everyone's excited. Okay, but here's the thing. And this is my last question in this area. All the things you're talking about, which were issues with the Vikings, those people behind the scenes making decisions which created these situations. Right. And my question to you is, as long as the same people behind the scene making the decision, what make you so optimistic that anything is going to ever change? It's kind of like Politician and politics. As long as we keep electing the same people, well, how in the heck do we expect anything? To and change? then you, and then and I love the NFL because you you train these these uh, great offensive coordinators, assistant coaches, and then they become head coaches for other teams. You're like, cool. I just great. <laughs> like that's what we did with Kevin Stefanski. And look at the Browns last year. Mm -hmm. uh, I just. I just know that we're due sooner or later. So hopefully, okay. I mean, there has to be one year where uh -huh. there's no injuries or like God knows what happens. You know, so someone all, gets suspended. All, yeah, all the stars are going to line up. By the way, another quick thing here. I'm old enough to remember the early Vikings who was basically in the uh, hunt for the Super Bowl every year, was or, in, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, in the NFC Conference game almost every year, went to uh, the first three or four Super Bowls and lost them. I remember they lost to Kansas City. They lost to, to uh, Oakland. The, Oakland. They lost to Pittsburgh, and they lost to Miami. Yeah. And I, I remember all those teams. But, you know, when I look back on it, those teams was really better than the Vikings when I look back on it. Uh, those are some great Vikings teams. Okay, uh, so tell us what the future holds for what the future you. holds. Well, and um, well, hold, 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 hold on, let me rephrase that because I don't want people to think that I think you're a soothsayer or something like that. But what does what do you see for yourself in the future, hey, Marie? Um, so I basically have created this platform. I'm, I'm not that we need to go deep into this, but part-time bro, which kind of incorporates every, my lifestyle of like what I'm doing, everything we've touched base on. But, uh, I can my goal as a sports comedian and it, and I'm making it kind of my own business is to, um, produce sports comedy content from live shows to albums and to be on TV and the radio. And now I'm on the radio and then, TV soon, so stay tuned. And and you're thinking that it doesn't matter whether you're in Albuquerque or New York 
doesn't matter nowadays with the technology and doesn't matter where you are that's the biggest thing i've learned okay and thank you for uh clarifying a mistake that i made uh correcting me uh i said (laughs) it's funny i said stand up bro when really I meant part-time, bro. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, Marie, you should have picked that up, by the way. You should have like, helped, helped me oh, out with that You should have helped me out with that part-time, bro. Yeah, part-time, bro. What What is part-time, bro? And- part-time, bro became a nickname of mine. I, I was in this fantasy football league, and this guy's like, you're like a hot girl, but you're like a bro. You're like a part-time, bro. And I was like, that's hilarious. So people started calling me part-time, bro, and I was like, oh, and then the sports community thing, it kind of evolved into all of this, all these, this lane I'm doing. So I'm kind of turning into like, kind of like a lifestyle brand. And under that mm-hmm. is my sports comedy, my keynote speaking, my podcast, like my whole platform. So, okay. Well, now, A. Maria, I have to ask certain questions to just jump out at me. I know. Go ahead. Okay. Was it a bro who called you a part time bro? Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. That's really funny, yep. <laughs> that yep. passed the test. But uh, I thought it was funny, though. I was like, oh, because so, I'm kind of like a tomboy, but I'm not. And I was like, this is this is really funny. This is a part-time bro. It's hilarious. Okay, and you mentioned fantasy football. Mm-hmm. That's something I've never gotten into. but uh, Don't do it. Uh, it's yeah, okay. time-consuming. Okay, so we are we time really flies when you have I know, when we're having fun. Look, 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 look. Here's, here's the thing. Uh, we like to leave our audience with just positive message because I'm about the positive things. We hear enough negative things, and we talked about turning on the TV and Sports Center and ESPN. God, give me a break. Uh, but uh, leave us our audience with one little positive thing about uh, if they wanted to get into the entertainment business, they want to get into podcast production. Uh, is there anything positive yes. that you can leave with us and give them an idea of what they need to do and not, you know, how the world is unfair and all that stuff? This is um, this is my biggest advice I give to everyone who wants to pursue anything I'm doing or be in this industry is compete with yourself. Stop comparing yourself to anyone. You're only the only person that you need to be better than is the person you were yesterday. So many times with and with social media, and social media is such a positive thing, let's make it a more positive thing because it's really can benefit all of us, is stop comparing yourself to other people. Stop talking about other people. Stop whatever. Where your energy, where focus goes, energy flows. So focus on yourself, compete. You are your only competition. No, and no one else, you're the only one getting in your way. So get out of your own way and compete with yourself. That's my advice to everybody. I love that. And it gives me an opportunity to just sneak out of here with one little other story I tell. Uh, My mom and dad and the people that raised me, they had me 100% focused on being the best person Lacey Johnson can be. Yeah. And doing your best. And, you know, I tell people honestly, uh, once again, if you look at doing your best when it comes to school or whatever, you gain knowledge. And the more knowledge you gain, the world, your perception of the world actually changes. Yep. And all these things that uh, people try to per- persuade you are obstacles and stuff, they just disappear. Uh, I mean, they really do. 
And so I agree with you there to everyone out there. Look, stop. And the way, another way I put it, stop looking out the window and start looking in the mirror. And that's where Ooh. the answer for the most of that, those, those things are. And I'm tired of people having us look out the mirror and look at the world and look what they're doing and unfair, everything else. We need to look in the mirror like Michael Jackson stays. Start, start with the man or woman in the mirror and let's go out and try to be the best that we can be. If there's anyone out there who think they have a goal in life that they cannot achieve, I'd like to hear from you. Uh, I think it's at info, info at lasajohnson.com because that's a lot of crap that they've been feeding us and we need to end on a positive note. So Love thank it. you, A. Marie. Thank you. Uh, thanks to my audience and to everyone in my audience. Stay positive. Understand. I believe in you and I think you can be anything you want to be. And that's true. And quit listening to all these naysayers and these people that's telling you about all these obstacles out in the world. So thanks very much, A. Marie. We ended on a positive note. Thanks, my audience. We'll be back again next week. Everybody have a great and blessed day. See you in a week. Thanks. This is Lacey Johnson. Thanks.